All right, we are on the sequel to Floors 3 Below. We are on Chapter 12, Mergenzer's Plan Unfolds. It was Miss Sparks who felt it first, a faraway trembling from somewhere under her feet. The first tremors of an earthquake, she thought, but she knew better, and a split second later, a thought crossed her mind. Mergenzer's up to his old tricks again. She tried to imagine what he could be doing that made the hotel tremble as it did. Was it some sort of strange magic? Were there a million ducks stampeding across the grounds, flown in to land in her hair and drive her away? She fussed and fretted in the quiet of the hotel lobby until she couldn't stand it any longer. I must have some air, she said, looking at her watch. 35 minutes, she thought as she walked. 35 minutes and the Whippet Hotel would be hers, and then, very soon after, a wrecking ball would get rid of the Whippet for good. She could see it as she stood outside in the garden, gazing up at the hotel's puny silhouette against the great skyscrapers crowding around it. You are a bad hotel, Miss Sparks said, a useless, ridiculous, blatant blight on the state of New York. She felt something near her feet and thought it was Claudius the cat. But when she looked down, she saw that nothing was there. The ground was trembling again, a little harder this time, and looking up once more at the Whippet Hotel, she could have sworn it was moving. She ran up the front steps in search of Mr. Yancey, yelling, You cannot stop me now, Mr. Mergenzer D. Whippet! There's no time! You've lost! Lost, I tell you! She went cackling, racing through the lobby only minutes before the auction. She was right about one thing. The Whippet Hotel was moving. Leo, Remy cried, the gears are moving. They'd come out of the tunnel into the huge expanse of the realm of gears. It was not as they left it, like a beast the size of a cruise ship waking up from a dream. The gears were groaning to life, shaking off dirt and rust, turning slowly and loudly. Mr. Corp! Leo yelled, but he had fled out into the middle of the chaos. Mr. Carp, come back! Rummy cried. The d- gears were moving faster, causing other things to happen. Pulleys and enormous chains went up and down and round and round. Watch out! Leo warned as a pendulum swung low through the space that they were standing in. Leo shoved Remy out of the way just in time, and they crashed to the floor. Blop, who had been safely sitting in Remy's pocket, popped out and skidded across the floor, landing hard against a rolling gear. As the gear kept turning, Blop went with it, getting lodged between, between the metal teeth. What? No way! Remy yelled, running toward his little friend. Leo gave chase, yelling Carp's name and hoping the man would come to his senses. Hold on, Blop, I'm coming! Remy shouted. Blop was not the kind of robot who could hold on to things, but he was good and wedged good and wedged where he was either way. He didn't need to hold on. Remy leapt into the turning onto the turning gear, holding on for dear life. Remy, be careful, Leo cried as the gear rolled Remy slowly up in the air. Remy climbed the wide iron teeth as it moved, reaching Blop at the same time the gear was about to turn both of them face down toward the ground. It took some pulling and heaving, but Remy got Blop out in the nick of time, threw his pet robot into Leo's outstretched arms, and log rolled onto the ground as the teeth of the gear disappeared under him. There was no time for congratulations or high fives. Leo had seen the direction Mr. Carp had run in. He picked Remy up, and together they ran after him. 
over, under, and around gears. Mr. Carp, please, Leo yelled, but it was so loud in the realm of gears that poor Mr. Carp couldn't hear them. He seemed to be going from gear to gear, searching for a way out, lost in his own attempt to find an exit. Hey, wait a minute, Remy said, grabbing his brother by the arm and stopping short. The envelope about the realm of gears, I have it. Remy pulled his jacket open and took out the envelope that they'd both forgotten about. The wax seal was still unbroken, and the words as black as coal on the manila envelope read, Open only when traveling in the realm of gears. In all the chaos, I totally forgot about that, Leo said, slapping his head. Open it, quick! They kept on running as Remy broke the seal on the envelope. Whatever Merzinger D. Whippet had designed the realm of gears to do, it was doing one thing for sure, waking up. The gears, the pendulums, the riveted beams of steel, everything was moving faster and faster like a speeding locomotive careening out of control. Mr. Carp, where are you? Leo screamed, but it was no use. He thought he'd caught sight of him between the gears way off in the distance, but it looked like he was running scared, searching for a place to hide, and entirely unaware of Leo and Remy. Leo, wait, Remy said. The two boys stopped between a tower of enormous, turning clock parts, rising into the air a hundred feet overhead. Remy handed the paper to Leo. It only had a few words of instruction. It wasn't at all what Leo had expected. He thought there'd be details and diagrams about how it had all been built, and more importantly, how to shut the thing off. Instead, he found two warnings. Warning. When the gears move, you must make the puzzle quickly. Warning. Read warning one again. It's a biggie. Leo, we've got to leave now, Remy shouted. The realm of gears had gotten so loud and perilous, Leo could hardly hear what Remy was saying. He couldn't stand leaving Mr. Cart behind, but what else could he do? Hopefully the puzzle would tell them and they could come back and find him. Come on, Leo said. Let's make that puzzle. Remy and Leo dodged countless dangers as they zigzagged their way across the realm of gears. They found the door, burst through, and kept on running into the dark corridor up the stairs into the elevator shaft. Completely out of breath, they dropped through the trap door, slid the rainbow card along the floor of the duck elevator. But it was only then that they realized as the door slid open, they had no more fuses. They'd forgotten to ask Dr. Flart for another, and there was no time to go back. This is a disaster, Leo said. It was a rare and difficult feeling for a boy with great passion, a feeling of being defeated after trying so hard. He slumped down, tired and dejected, and felt the aches and pains of many bumps and bruises. It's okay, bro, Remy said, trying to comfort Remy. Leo, remember what Mergenzer said? Mergenzer says a lot of things, Leo responded. He was looking at the puzzle key card, which he had pulled out of his maintenance overalls. Unless you can climb up like Lupa, I think we're stuck. Oh, but you're wrong, Remy said. He fished Blop out of his pocket and held him tight. Sorry, little buddy. I'll put you back, your head back on, I promise. Remy spun Blop's small head to one side like he was taking the lid off a jar of peanut butter, and the head came right off. I don't know why that bothers me so much, Remy said. It's like he's really alive, you know? And just remove I just removed his brain. Remy dug his fingers down inside the opening and popped a fuse out. Remy, Leo said, beaming. What would I do without you? You're brilliant. Remy screwed Blop's head back on, but the robot didn't move. Its eyes wouldn't even open. It's okay. We can get another one. I'm sure of it, 
Leo said. He took the fuse and leaned through the opening, hanging his head below the duck elevator. A few seconds later, Leo had the fuse out and a new one in. Here we go, Remy said. He was as excited as Leo. As Leo slipped back inside and the wall flew shut, Remy did the honors, pressing the lobby button as the elevator blasted up the shaft. When they arrived at the lobby level, the doors came open and both boys crawled out. The hotel was rumbling oddly in a way that Leo had never felt before. It scared him as they ran past the empty reception desk and into the puzzle room. Why is the hotel shaking? Leo asked as they stared at the piles of puzzle pieces sliding on the floor by the thousands. It must be the gears, Remy answered, looking around the very large duck-shaped clock on the wall across the room. It's 11.52, Leo. We only have eight minutes left to pay Miss Sparks. Leo didn't squander any more time, wondering what had gone wrong with his hotel. He activated the puzzle key card, and the screen lit up. Here goes, Leo said, not sure of what to expect. He'd seen the puzzles make themselves before, but it had been a while, and the magic had faded from his memory. Seeing it now, the pieces flying everywhere in a storm of a million parts took his breath away again. The puzzle began to snap together, which made a sound like an endless deck of cards being shuffled. Where is everyone? Remy asked. I bet Mr. Phipps and Captain Rickenbacker wish they were here. They love this puzzle. Leo had been wondering the exact same thing. The hotel felt oddly empty in a way he'd never felt before, and dark. Most of the lights were out. Even in the puzzle room, it was cast in a shadowy glow. I see the roof of the whippet, Leo said, the puzzle coming together fast now. What are those things in the corners of the roof? Leo asked. Remy asked, and what's that thing in the middle? Leo and Remy watched as the last thousand puzzle pieces dropped into place. Then they stood on two chairs at the table and looked down at the masterpiece. The other side of the puzzle had been the scene of the grounds and the ducks, but this was different. This was a set of instructions. Those are the four flukers, Remy yelled. And the zip rope, Leo said, amazed that they were both looking at, at what they were both looking at. The puzzle piece had pieced together a view of the top of the Wibbit Hotel from the sky. In each corner of the roof, there was one blue tube of light, four flugers, and in the center, tied to a golden duck, an orange line disappearing into the sky, the zip rope. Along the bottom of the huge puzzle in Mergenzer D. Whippet's script were these words, The Whippet moves, a rare surprise, to the roof, beware of spies. There you are, Mr. Phipps said. He and Captain Rickenbacker appeared at the door. We were worried. You might be trapped upstairs. What do you mean trapped? Remy asked. You don't know? Mr. Phipps said, astonished at how everyone had been left unaware of what was actually happening in the Whippet Hotel. Captain Rickenbacker had taken a keen interest in the puzzle, standing on a chair of his own and looking down with his arms folded across his chest like he was Spider-Man gazing down at a city in trouble. The hotel has gone mad, Mr. Phipps said. There's no other way to say it. Leo didn't understand at all. He only knew that two important tasks lay before him. Pay Miss Sparks and get to the roof. Where is Miss Sparks hiding? Leo asked. We have what she wants. We can get rid of her, but we only have, he looked at the duck-shaped clock on the wall, two minutes. He pushed an appropriate button on the touch screen for the puzzle, and the entire thing burst into a million pieces, showering Captain Rickenbacker as he covered himself with his red cape. It'd be better if no one sees it, Leo said, running out to the lobby as he asked Remy. Do you remember what it showed us? I do. I have a photo puzzle memory. 
Remy smiled despite the chaos all around him, but his smile faded into a look of dire concern as he dug into his red jacket pocket and found that the $10 million note from the governor of New York was missing. He stopped, fished around inside the pocket, and then turned it inside out. What are you waiting for? Come on, Leo said. There's no time to waste. But Leo knew when he turned around and spotted the look on Remy's face. His brother's eyebrows were furled and his forehead crinkled. Remy was nervous. What is it? Leo asked, looking toward the doors where he saw Miss Sparks and Mr. Yancey standing alone on the grounds. They were a little ways off, looking up at the Whippet Hotel with looks of amazement on their faces. Leo, Remy said. Leo saw his brother was on the verge of tears. I lost it. I lost the money for Miss Sparks, the money for the hotel. Leo didn't know what to say. His fine hotel, the most wonderful hotel in the world, was in real big trouble. It felt like it was about to crumble to the ground. Something was happening. And now this, even a pile of rubble, he couldn't even imagine the Whippet Hotel owned by Mr. Yancey or Miss Sparks. It was unthinkable. Come on, Leo said, turning from the desk. There's only one thing left for us to do. We have to get to the roof and do what the puzzle says. Maybe we can at least save the hotel from falling. He quickly made a double helix card at the front desk and ushered Remy through the little orange door near the registration desk. Seconds later, they were careening out of control, twisting and turning to the roof in the fastest contraption the Whippet could have had to offer. I'm so sorry, Leo, Remy said. He felt terrible, as crummy as crummy can get. It was hard to comfort someone while traveling through the Whippet at a breakneck speed, but Leo tried. He put a hand on Remy's shoulder. It's okay. We'll figure out what to do. We always do. Remy brightened, then smiled, then howled at the amazing ride they were on. I love this hotel! Remy screamed as they went. Both boys laughed despite all the bad news, enjoying the hotel to the last, reveling in what it, it had come to mean to both of them. Adventure, friendship, and a belief that anything was possible if they let their imaginations run free. We are going to stop there, continue this chapter tomorrow.